disciple of Jesus. Now, we'll see even this morning in our text and throughout the Gospel of John that the name John is mentioned several times in this Gospel. Whenever we see the name John mentioned in this Gospel, it's not talking about the Apostle John. That is John the Baptist. Um, and that's an important distinction. So the author of John is not John the Baptist, but John the disciple, the apostle of Jesus. Now, secondly, the, the audience, who is John writing to? Because as we study scripture, it's always important to know who the audience was at the time that that letter or that book was written. Because, yes, all of scripture is breathed out by God and is God's word to us today, but the authors, the human authors and writers of these letters and books also had an audience and a reason and a purpose in mind. So John, who is John writing to? Um, John is writing to both the Jew and the Greek, both the believers and to non-believers. And his purpose in that can actually be found in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, when he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John wrote his gospel not only to confirm or to, to affirm believers in their trust of Jesus Christ and to bring unbelievers to faith in Christ, but also to refute the heretical errors that were being taught in the churches that claimed to be Christian at that time. Quickly, three of these heresies that John is speaking against in his gospel are, first, that Jesus was only God, that Jesus was only divine and not human. The second heresy that was being taught at that time is similar to the first, and it's that Jesus was only human, and he was not divine. And then the third heresy it fits into both of these is that Jesus was human and he was divine, but he only received his divinity when he came to earth and was born. And then he lost, sorry, he received his humanity when he came to earth and was born, and he lost his humanity upon his suffering and death on the cross. So that only for that time, that 33-year period when he was on earth, was he human. So these were three of the big heresies that were being taught during this time that John will, will speak against in his gospel. And he emphatically reminds us throughout the gospel that from the beginning of time, as we'll see this morning, that Jesus was both divine and human from the beginning of time. So John's purpose for writing and our purpose for studying this morning is and should be one and the same. And that is simply to know who Jesus is. So this morning, I want to pray and go before God and ask him that he would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to show us, to reveal to us just who Jesus is. So let's pray. Father, we do come to you this morning um, as we begin a, a new series, as we begin studying the, the Gospel of John. Lord, we pray and ask. Lord, that each and every week that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would show us and reveal to us who Jesus Christ is. Lord, we pray that today that we would learn something new about your son and that we would see the ultimate truth 
that really the, uh, all of the Bible, not just the Gospel of John, but all of the Bible speaks to, and that is that Jesus is your son and that you saw fit in your perfect timing to send your son Jesus to earth to live, to walk as a human, to die so that we may have forgiveness of our sins, so that we may enjoy eternal life with you, Lord. So we praise you this morning for the gift that we're about to read about and talk about the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So we're going to start with John chapter 1. So if you'll stand, we're going to read the first uh, 14 verses of John chapter 1, and that is our, our text for this morning. So starting in verse 1, John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You may be seated. So as we jump into this text this morning, I actually want to start at the end with verse 14 and then go back to the beginning and start working our way um, through the text. So these 14 verses hold a lot, a lot of deep, rich theological truths about the person and deity of Jesus. And honestly, I joked with, uh, with Austin and Mark and the staff the past couple weeks, we could spend this entire 20-week series, I believe, just on these 14 verses um, and still not really truly unpack all of the truths that are in this one little passage. Um, which means the task today is a big task, which means it will probably be very fast, and there will be a lot that is skipped over just because of how much is here. But once again, verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And also be reminded once again of that purpose statement that John said in chapter 20, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I believe that it is fair to say that from the outset that we must understand the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If we get this wrong, then everything else that we could say about the man Jesus Christ does not matter. We have to come to that, that belief, that faith, and that trust, and that acknowledgement that Jesus is the Son of God. 
And Jesus is the Son of God, not in the sense of being created or born, but in the sense of being a son who is exactly like his father in all attributes and the sense of having a father-son relationship with God the Father. Simply put, once again, Jesus is the Son of God. Now this morning, as we go start going back to John 1 and die, or John 1, 1 and start diving into this passage, we will continue to see the big theme of Jesus as the Son of God. However, I want to, to focus in on two other names or characteristics or attributes that John um, speaks to this morning. And like I said, my two of my very favorite verses in all of Scripture are in this chapter, and they just happen to be verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. Now, the, the first characteristic or name of Jesus that I want to point out to you is the word, word. And if you notice in verse 1, the word, word, is there three times. And all three times, it's capitalized. Now, one of my second grade teachers happens to be sitting in here this morning, Miss Bobbitt. And so a, a quick second grade English lesson would tell us that the capitalization of the word word is not because it's the first word of a sentence. It's because it's a proper name. This is the name that John is giving to Jesus. Jesus is the word, the spoken word of God. And it's really important to understand why he ascribes this name, word, to Jesus. And remember how I said that his audience is both Jew and Greek, and that plays into the importance of him using this name for Jesus because to the Greek, the term word expresses the ideas of reason, thought, and creative control, implying a rational mind that rules the universe. Then to the Hebrew or to the Jew, the word, the word of God, that name, the word of God denotes God in action especially in creation, revelation, and deliverance. Thus, naming Jesus the Word uniquely illustrates how Jesus Christ was the embodiment of all the treasures of the divine wisdom, the supreme mind, the collective thought, and the universal power of God. Jesus is not only the Son of God, but Jesus is God. John Calvin explains it like this. The evangelist John, being John the Apostle, calls the Son of God the Word simply because, first, he, Jesus, is the eternal wisdom and will of God, and secondly, because he is the exact image of God's purpose. Just as men's speech is called the expression of their thoughts, so it is not inappropriate to say that God expresses himself to us by his speech or word. What this means is Jesus in earthly human form is God expressing and revealing himself to us. Jesus is the word of God. The next couple things in John 1 and 2 that I want to talk about is that how there are some really deep theological concepts um, that we don't have enough time to really dive into them, so I'm just going to mention them briefly as we go through uh, these two verses. So the first concept is that of the Trinity, or the triune God, and Jesus' place within the Trinity. 
The Baptist Faith and Message 2000, in its section on God, says, The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. We worship, serve, and believe in one God, but that one God reveals himself to us in three distinct forms. Another quote on the Trinity and the importance of Jesus' role in it that I found was from John Piper, and he says, Do not be surprised that this, the Trinity, remains to us a mystery. But don't throw it away. If Jesus Christ is not God, he could not accomplish your salvation. And his glory would not be sufficient to satisfy your everlasting longing for new discoveries of beauty. If you throw away the deity of Jesus Christ, you throw away your soul and with it all of your joy in the age to come. Simply put, if Jesus is not God, your salvation is impossible. Jesus must be God in order for his work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, to carry any meaning and any weight. The second theological concept that is presented in these first two verses is the existence of Jesus from before time began. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. And then verse 2 says, he, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. These verses tell us that Jesus has always existed. And John is not the only disciple to declare this truth. Peter, in 1 Peter 1.20, says, he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. It is important to know and remember that Jesus existed with God before creation. However, Jesus did not exist or had not taken on human form. This is important because when he came down, when he stooped down to our level by becoming a man and taking on flesh, he made it possible for us to relate to him. And he made it possible for God to relate to us through Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus came to earth and took on human form so that he could be tempted in every way that we would ever be tempted, and ultimately to die a physical death and take away our sins. So without Jesus coming to earth and taking on that human form and actually walking and living as man, once again, our salvation is not possible. So if Jesus is not fully God, our salvation is impossible. If Jesus is not fully human, our salvation is impossible. Moving on to to verse 3, which says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The third theological idea that John mentions in this passage is that Jesus was active in creation. God's creative word, capital W, was a person, Jesus, an eternal, divine, all-glorious person. Jesus was active in the work of creation. Therefore, everything that exists was made by the word, capital W, Jesus. He was God's agent in creating all things that have come into existence. And Paul in Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It is important to note that Jesus, the word, did not act independently from God the Father. Jesus was under God's authority, but still having authority over everything that was created. And as God's creative agent, Jesus' work of revealing God began with creation because all creation reveals God. So once again, our big picture this morning is that we know that Jesus is the Son of God. But we have also can narrow our focus and see that Jesus is also the Word of God. In the first three verses of John 1, we have seen a beautiful poetic picture that explains Jesus' place and role in the Trinity, Jesus' preexistence with God, and Jesus' active part in creation. And now quickly, I want to turn to the second important name and characteristic that John ascribes to Jesus in this passage. So picking up in verse 4 and 5, we read, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then dropping down to verse 9, it says, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the second name or characteristic that John ascribes to Jesus is light. And there's five quick facts about Jesus as the light that I want to mention this morning. The first is that Jesus is God's light in a spiritually dark world full of sin and evil. He brings true knowledge, he brings moral purity, and the light that shows the very presence of God. 1 John 1.5 says, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The second fact about Jesus as the light is although sin and darkness are powerful, they cannot overcome or conquer Jesus' light. In fact, if you look at the tense of verse 5, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness of this world has already thrown everything it could at Jesus the light and he has already overcome it. He overcame temptation, he overcame suffering, and ultimately he overcame death. The darkness has not will not and cannot overcome Jesus' light. The third truth about the light is that Jesus' light shines and is available to all people. John, later in his gospel, writes in chapter 8, verse 12, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus' light is extended to all humans in its proclamation, in its sufficiency, and it makes all men accountable in terms of eternal responsibility. But number four, unfortunately, is the sad fact about Jesus as the light. And unfortunately, it is very clear in our text that not everyone will accept or follow Jesus' light. 
Again, verses 10 and 11 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Unfortunately, we know that the the fact is, is not everyone who sees the light, who hears the word, is going to accept it. But then, number five, back on a positive note, the light brings eternal salvation. John tells us in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And again, verse John in verses in chapter 8 verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we follow Jesus' light, And if we profess our faith in Jesus, then we have the assurance of our salvation and we receive the blessing of a new name. And that name is Child of God. So this morning, we said we narrowed our focus on Jesus as the word and Jesus as the light. Now, I I believe that that John started with these two names of Jesus for a, a very particular reason. And as Pastor Mark has already said, and we'll see over the next several months, each week, each chapter of John, John is revealing something about Jesus to us. So we won't have 20 weeks worth of names and attributes and characteristics of Jesus. So why did John start his gospel with word and with light? I I believe the answer to that goes back to the, the Old Testament, and it goes back to kind of the the order of events, the chronological order of events from Old Testament to New Testament. If you think back to the end of the Old Testament, especially in our, our English Bible, the last collection of books are the books of the prophets. There's five major prophets and there are 12 minor prophets. And those last days, God was speaking to his people Israel through the prophets. And the last prophet that we have in our Bible was Malachi. And the the dating of the writing of Malachi was around 435 B.C. So what happened after that? Because we obviously know that Jesus was born in A.D. So there's 400 plus years of something that went on. But as far as we're concerned, what went on from God to his people was silence and it was darkness. It was silence, and it was darkness. And then we come to John 1, when, G, when John, in verse 5, says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 14, he says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God was silent And there was darkness for over 400 years. And then in God's perfect timing, he sent his word and he sent his light in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why I I believe it, it connects the Old Testament to the New Testament so perfectly that the word and the light are the first attributes of Jesus, the son of God, that we see in the New Testament out of the Gospel of John. Out of 400 years of darkness, 400 years of silence, God sent forth his son. 
And honestly, we're here now at the time of Christmas celebrating that moment that God sent Jesus Christ to earth. And I hope and pray that we will take time this Christmas season to praise God because after 400 years of silence and darkness, he sent his word and he sent his light. And it is only through faith in his word and in his light that we have the awesome right to become children of God. Uh, this morning, I'm going to end with three points of application. The first one is, is actually in a form of a prayer. And it's a prayer that I, I should pray, and I admit that I do not pray on a daily basis. But it's also a prayer that I would encourage each one of us to begin praying on a daily basis. And that prayer is simply that we would love God's word. And not only that we would love God's word, but that we would delight in God's word. And that our minds and our hearts would be moved by God's word every day. Now, as, you know, as we all know, we did not have church last Sunday. And, uh, and last week, preparing for uh, church on the 9th, during the course of staff meeting and different conversations throughout the week, of course, the question came up about, you know, if we get snow, what's going to happen? Um, and, you know, will, uh, will Pastor Mark come back today on the 16th and just pick up with John chapter 2 as he had already planned out? Would he, since he was back, as he kind of joked earlier this morning, would he preach John chapter 1? Um, you know, we just didn't know what was going to happen. And, but I went to him on Wednesday before last and had, had actually already said the same thing to Katie in the office earlier. Um, and, and I told Mark that, you know, with the thought of not being able to preach, be it last Sunday or today, that having done all the work to prepare this message, that it was okay with me if he chose to do whatever, hap whatever he chose, if it meant that I did not preach today, that was fine with me. Because, not because of not wanting to preach, but because I spent the last two to three weeks immersed in one of the most beautiful passages of scripture and has spent two to three weeks talking with the staff about this, reading it, praying through it for three weeks. And that was great. I have to say that my heart and my mind and my soul were moved and touched by God through this passage over these last three weeks. So it was fine that, you know, to not to not preach because God spoke to me through this already before this morning. And, and I would hope and pray that that is true of us every day when we get into God's word, that we are so moved by it that it just, it really does just lighten our day. Um, so first application is that of a prayer, is that God's word would move our hearts and our minds every day. The second application is a question. And the question is, have you heard God's word? And have you seen God's light? And that word was the capital W word again. Have you heard, God, have you heard God's word? Have you seen God's light? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? If not, let today be the day. Let me remind you what I said earlier about Jesus' light, that it shines and it is available to all people. 
Once again, the words of John in chapter 8, verse 12 is, And again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember that because Jesus' light is extended to all humans, each and every one of us will be held accountable for all eternity. Today can be the day that you cry out to God and profess your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the, last, the third and last point of application is in the form of an exclamation and a challenge. If you are here this morning and you've already professed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then praise God. However, your challenge comes from verses 7 and 8 that we did not touch earlier. But go back to 7 and 8. John says that he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is referring to John the Baptist, how he was not the light. He was not the promised Messiah that God had promised, but he was the forerunner, the messenger that God had sent to proclaim, to tell people to get ready because the light, the word is coming. So our challenge is the same thing that John had to do. Our challenge is to go out and to be the light of God to a lost and dying world by telling about the word of God, capital W, word of God. Let's pray. Father, once again, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the, the truth and the treasures that are in your word. Lord, we thank you that you have sent your son to earth, Lord, that you sent Jesus, that he gave up his, his place in heaven to come to earth, to live and to die. Lord, we thank you that it is through that gift that we can receive the forgiveness of our sins, that we can live eternally with you, Lord. And as this passage specifically shows this morning, Lord, we thank you that after 400 years of silence and darkness, that you spoke, that you sent your word, and that you sent your light, Lord. I pray that today that we would see that light, Lord, that we would strive to, to show and to share that light with others, Lord, and that we would hear and love not only your word, the Bible, but your word, capital W, your son, Jesus Christ and that we would share both your words in Scripture and your word, your Son, with the lost and the dying world. We ask these things in your Son's name. Amen.